African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. It is 11 o'clock already. That's Central African time. Remember, at this time, we're trying to contextualize the big issues on the African continent. Thank you for joining us on our new service on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. Also have to get used to that one. I'm sure you do too. So let me remind you again. It's the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. That's our main service into sub-Saharan Africa. If you are actually listening to us on our website, remember we're on www.channelafrica.co.za Don't forget that you can also listen to us on DSTV. Our DSTV channel is on 802 on that audio bouquet there. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, for this hour. Well, today we're focusing on South Africa. It's been an issue that was really big last week or the last two weeks, especially when when uh, South Africa's finance minister came back from the U.S., uh, where he made a contradicting statement to the country's president. And this was in line with uh, the uh, country's carrier, the South African Airways. The conversation around whether or not the carrier should be sold or not has sparked debate in some circles, with some aviation experts and economists warning that the selling of state-owned entities could force South Africa to pay up to 466 billion rands that South African rands and guaranteed uh, guarantees rather should it a state companies not be able to meet its uh, 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 debt uh, responsibilities with utterances by South Africans uh, finance minister Tito Mboweni suggesting that uh, SAA should be uh, sold Uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa has since poured cold water on those sentiments uh, saying that selling SAA was not an option and that the airline was pivotal in developing Developing the country's economy. Well, to help us on this, we're joined on the line by Professor Yanni Rousseau, who's the head of the School of Economics and Business Sciences at Wits University. We also have Guy Leitch, who is the editor of SA Flyer, uh, Flight.com, and also we've got Joachim Vermuten, who is uh, the independent aviation uh, consultant. Let me say that better, independent aviation consultant and a researcher at the University of Johannesburg. Let's start with you, Professor Rousseau. It was very much a worrying thing to see that chasm in terms of what to do with the car- carrier when it comes to the perspective from both uh, Tito Mboweni and South Africa's uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa. And it was worrying because with issues such as that, when it comes to governance, we should at least see those two leading figures on one uh, course, actually making uh, similar statements. But there, we saw a mishap, Professor Rousseau. What does that tell us about uh, us as a country and how we're dealing with our state entities? And uh, the carrier itself is a big worry currently. Good morning. Uh, Good morning to the other panelists and good morning to the listeners. In short, the South African government should have given SAA away 
four or five years ago when I first advocated that. SAA has been a drain on the South African taxpayers. It will continue to be a drain on South African taxpayers. However, the recent statements raises a much more important and much bigger issue, namely that the South African government should stop thinking about these guarantees as commitments that will never be called on, never to be made good. Therefore means that the South African government going forward will have to be much more circumspect in considering whether or not to give these guarantees. Well, why do you think of that particular viewpoint, uh, Professor Rousseau, in terms of, uh, you know, the contributing factors to why our carrier is not really profit-making and why we're having a hard time actually maintaining it? Well, SAA has been mismanaged for many, many years since the appointment of Mr. Coleman Andrews, who walked away with $232 million in bonuses. And since then, we've had successive mismanagement, most recently under Dudu Nyeni. So it is a sorry story of continued mismanagement and government interference. Okay, let me come to you, Guy, in terms of do you agree? Some people say this is a state entity can actually um, play a contribution uh, to South Africa's economy. We know there's a huge workforce even within SAA. Can we just decide on the go just to let it go? Yeah, hi, nice to be with everyone. Um, The real issue at hand is whether South Africa can afford to have an airline that fulfills a development role? I think the answer is clearly no. Um, Look, it's it's, it's, um, too easy with the benefit of hindsight to say that the airline should have been sold five or six years ago. In fact, there's a real solid argument to be made that government has absolutely no business running an airline uh, which is an extremely capital-intensive and technically demanding uh, industry. Government doesn't know how to do that, even in the best of circumstances. There are, of course, exceptions, most notably Ethiopian in Africa and Singapore are successful government-run airlines, so you can't throw it out entirely. But I'm yet to be convinced that SAA actually, especially in its present guise, fulfills any development role that the private sector couldn't do far more efficiently and, in fact, profitably, and thus return funds to the fiscus rather than just being a drain on them. Mm. Well, we'll come back to that Ethiopian uh, example that you made, Guy, and I mean, why can't we duplicate such systems? And maybe we can use that as an example of what's happening in Ethiopia. I know Kenya Airlines is also not doing uh, too badly as well. But let me come to you, Joachim, in terms of we're seeing uh, huge losses. I mean, the record loss was huge uh, during the 2015 and 2016 financial year where we saw a loss of one. 1.5 billion rands, uh, which also rose to 4.7 billion in 2016-2017. Clearly, we are seeing an increase in terms of the losses here, and they're not small amounts. Yes. <clears throat> Good morning, Benjamin, and uh, Fioni and Connie, and listeners. Um, the losses have certainly uh, increased dramatically. It uh, used to be after its uh, restructuring from 2007 to 2009, when it made some smaller profits, in 2012 <coughs> it started making losses, and it's ratcheted up from a level of about two and a half to three billion per annum. Uh, and at the moment, uh, the last three or four, uh, four years, 
is sort of uh, at the level of five to six uh, billion rand. Uh, the problem with it is that it hasn't been provided for in the annual budget of the country, uh, and it's uh, been funded by loans based on guarantees. And as Prof. Yomi said, that uh, the chickens are coming home to this. The banks are no longer uh, prepared to extend um, facilities on that basis. Mm. So that's basically where we are. Well, let's come back also to that contradiction where you're also seeing uh, the, the management of um, SAA really getting a whole lot of money in terms of the positions that they're in. They're getting a lot of wages, and most of the wages are going to, to, to human resource. Is that also not another thing to, to relook, Joachim? Well, I think there are many reasons for the uh, changes, uh, you know, it's a pity that uh, we couldn't just continue with the restructuring that by 2009 already produced uh, profits. But, uh, you know, management was uh, uh, changed. Uh, the EFSCO was, uh, you know, <coughs> altered uh, completely and uh, most of the managers that reported to EFSCO was uh, completed. So at that, change, uh, at that time, that, uh, there was a major change in direction, you know, it achieved the turnaround because it had a um, commercial uh, mandate and suddenly it had this uh, development mandate which nobody has really clarified, but in practical terms it means that they increased the capacity uh, tremendously and the, it wasn't an uh, accompanied um, uh, increase in demand. Um, they also experimented with, uh, you know, quite expensive uh, mm. uh, experiments, which uh, cannot be, you know, argued from the or motivated from a transport economics uh, perspective. Mm. And then lastly, uh, you had uh, increases in staff, which uh, basically reversed the uh, cost savings that were achieved in the Seabury restructuring, and. Uh, Well, let me take a quick break and we'll unpack that because what you're also citing there is uh, during uh, Dumieni's era, the airline was marred with a lot of corruption. We know there was a lot of mismanagement and maladministration in that regard. What if we sort those particular issues? Why don't we just streamline those issues that you're highlighting there, Joaquin? Can we turn things around? Because there seems to be an insistence on the part of South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa. Thank you for joining us right here on the Channel Africa. You're listening to African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday we look at the big subject matters on the African continent. Today we're looking at South Africa's uh, uh, carrier, SAA. We're asking the question online, uh, uh, do you think that uh, it should be sold or should it be kept as the country's carrier? Give us your thoughts on our Channel Africa Facebook page when I hear your thoughts there or you can tweet us at channel africa one that's the uh, uh, handle at channel africa one let's take a quick break we'll be back with our guests welcome to change your game on channel africa the african perspective we are coming to you from johannesburg right here in south africa i'm asanda beda your host 
Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock. Uh, thank you for joining us. That's uh, uh, 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time since we are broadcasting from our Johannesburg studios in Auckland Park, right here at the headquarters at the SABC. Today we're looking at the state-owned South African Airways. What can be done to turn things around? Or well, as has been agreed to by most of our panel, that hey, we should let this thing go because it's costing the country too much. Let me come back to you, Guy, in, in terms of of uh, uh, this issue of management because some people say, hey, let's work on the management of uh, SAA. Let's turn things around, creating systems that are, can be accounted for within the structural um, uh, capacity of SAA. We know that uh, when Dudumieni was appointed in South African Airways Board of Directors in 2009, there were a lot of accusations around him, mainly the fact that... Uh, you know, airline was also used for, uh, for for the wrong services at particular times. And also just the fact that the finance aspect of things was not really managed in a way that was profitable. Uh, do you think we can just change this management systems and, and, and turn things around? As You've highlighted issues such as we do have countries on the African continent who are very good at actually managing their airlines. You spoke about Ethiopia. I can think of Kenya. And uh, uh, Rwanda, you can think of that in a, in a micro scale. Can we turn things around or is it too late? Yeah, I think that's the absolute key question. And the issue is that it's proving extraordinarily difficult. The current CEO, Mr. Vianney Girana, who's been in the job for just on a year, um, I think has essentially acknowledged that he grossly underestimated the difficulty of finding skilled management. Under Dudumiliani's chairmanship and over the past eight or so years, there's been a tremendous brain drain at the airline. A lot of the absolute best staff have left um, and gone to the opposition, uh, such as Fastjet, for instance. So um, he's finding it extremely difficult to attract the right caliber people um, to fill these jobs. And bear in mind they're specialists. Fortunately, um, He's he's indicated to me that he's not too worried about um, having to appoint affirmative action candidates who might not be ideal in terms of their current experience level. Uh, He's able to employ people from wherever for now, and we've seen that already in some of the appointments that have been made. But the airline is in a crisis because of the difficulties of finding good management, and unfortunately it's also developed over the past uh, 80 years again or so what he calls a culture of malfeasance, quite simply um, theft, um, bad procurement practices, and, and, and appointing cronies, if you like, into management positions who've got no skills and no experience in running these particular jobs. And this is what's really devastated the airline 
very badly and is proving extremely difficult to turn around. I think it's perhaps helpful to put some perspective in place right now as to where the airline currently is. Um, Mr. Gerona gave himself three years or was given three years and essentially 12.4 billion rand to turn the airline around. Um, he says he's on track with that, and he well may be, but I think he's hitting the difficult patch right now. And uh, so it's very appropriate that we ask, well, is even the $12.4 billion that he's currently requiring or has budgeted to turn the airline around um, going to be sufficient? That's uh, because we really can't have him coming back to the government yet again with his cap in hand and asking <laughs> for, for, for more money. That would completely defeat any... Um, faith that anyone sure, has, the sure. private sector or the taxpayer, in the airline ever being saved. The government is committed to saving it. Um, it's a moot point as to whether it's worth saving it for another 12 billion rand. The elephant in the room right now, too, though, is that in March next year, the airline 9.2 billion rand in uh, finance because a lot of its existing finance loans are, are maturing. Mm. And so he is going to have to come back to the government, uh, that means us as the taxpayer, for, for, for more money in June unless he can persuade the banks, sorry, in, in March, unless he can persuade the banks to roll over those loans. And at this stage, that's looking like a tall order. So I think the airlines going to cause us a lot more grief going forward, at least for the next two, two years or so. Mm. You know, we're in a different dispensation of leadership. One could argue, Professor Rousseau, and uh, yes, the guy is highlighting uh, various factors in terms of uh, foresee- foreseeable future bailouts. Uh, but can we give the Sir Ramaphosa leadership a bit of time uh, with this carrier? My problem is that SAA has now become a vanity project for South African political leaders. And being a vanity project, South African taxpayers has thrown a lot of money into SAA. The question really becomes whether South Africans cannot get better value for money by using taxpayers' funds in a different way. Mm. That's the hard debate we need. Do we really need a vanity project like SAA, or can we have better use for our funds? Mm. And... Uh in that regard, uh, is it that simplistic, Professor Rousseau, just saying, well, um, we just want to maximize taxpayers' money? Uh, shouldn't we think about the state resource and that from that particular capacity and also the fact that it is a job creator to a certain extent, even if it has that limited value? Well, SAA, if anything, must be one of the most expensive job creators in any economy anywhere in the world I've ever come across. Sure. Uh, And I just need to point out that already four years ago and five years ago, I'm on record saying that SAA must be given away. The South African government then didn't take good advice. We were in the grips of Zuma Mole administration with Zuma's cronies in control of SAA, and therefore it's time for the South African government to start listening to good advice, like the good advice uh, Minister Mbouini as Minister of Finance is giving around SAA. Let's figure out what it will cost to rid us out from SAA and figure out how we will deal with that financially, rather than to continue throwing money into it.
Well, just a comment on our Facebook page from Gilbert Rukondo. I think he's uh, commenting from Rwanda, speaking at Rwanda Air and using their tag, Fly the Dream of Africa, saying that they will be ready to fill the gap should uh, SAA uh, be sold off. Let me come back to uh, uh, Joaquim there. From an African context, can we afford to be behind? We know that, as was cited by Guy earlier on, that, you know, we are seeing a real, real um, push on from governments such as Ethiopia who are investing in uh, airline carriers. And we know that a country such as Kenya is also doing well in, in that regard. So one would ask themselves, as a developing country, uh, in the continent, would we want to remove such an asset where other African countries are actually maximizing themselves in that particular platform? Well, uh, it's an interesting uh, thing that um, if you look at uh, study, uh, there are two things. The one is a national carrier, and the second one is the ownership of a national carrier. So um, in most countries, uh, national carriers are no longer government-controlled or owned. Um, all the larger carriers in Europe have now been privatized. And um, in uh, the United States, uh, international carriers have never been uh, state-owned. Um, the only continent where you really find a difference in approach is the African continent. And uh, it was interesting, as soon as the uh, single African market was announced, you know, everybody hoped that we would have more, uh, you know, transparent level playing field uh, between uh, states and airlines. And now there's a race uh, of uh, government airlines starting up with generally, not all, but uh, generally too large uh, aircraft and too much capacity, which will put pressure on smaller competitors in Africa and um, all those consequences. So uh, I've had a look at uh, the whole issue of uh, privatization, and, um, you know, many people refer back to the 1990s, which are, you know, from a philosophy point of view, regarded as... Um, all ideological point of view as uh, an approach. However, mm. uh, uh, there's been five phases of uh, prioritization. And the level of prioritization, for example, in 2015 and 16, is about three to four times the level of prioritization in the 1990s. Now, whilst in those days, um, prioritization was driven by ideological uh, things. It's much more a practical and pragmatic approach these days. And mm. um, capitalist societies are privatizing, socialist societies mm. are privatizing, and even communist societies are privatizing. So um, if we look at that, uh, you know, most of the reason why airlines are privatized is the governments can't fulfill the financial needs of the airlines and uh, has to make a plan. Uh, it could be that the airlines are loss-making and affect the fiscus, which is the case here, or it could be that uh, the airline is profitable and it needs expansion or new equipment or systems and uh, IFEs and 
all those type of things. And the margin that you make on uh, your turnover is too little for the capital reinvestment. So you always have to run to capital markets. So even successful uh, national airlines are privatized. Now, most of the privatization of airlines takes place today in what is called a SIP, the issue prioritization, which you list uh, the company and the staking sell off their uh, shares once the listing has been completed mm. over a period of time. It's not mm. a sudden event anymore. Mm. And um, then there is um, a principle that if you want to expand or replace equipment, you've got to go to the markets and find the money. Mm. So it has to be a viable project to finance it. You know, If we look at our recent past, uh, the government had to carry the can, so... Mm. Uh, you know, we've had quite a big expansion in capacity in narrow-bodied aircraft and flight-bodied aircraft. And every time the government has to fill, fill the gap with guarantees at the end, mm. in advance of the project. And uh, I think that is really uh, some of the concern that in all others of our uh, government financing needs, it is debated, uh, you know, with the budgets. You know, mm. people go ahead and say we need X amount of money mm. for these purposes and you find the mix and the budget is completed. Mm. But with SAA, it's been outside that uh, fold uh, in a retroactive funding. Mm. Now, that's the problem. That we, in order to move forward, you know, uh, there is a backlog of funding. Mm. So the funding that I announced over the last two years is mm. really a backlog, and uh, we need to stop the drainage, but we also need to sort out the past, you know. Mm. Actually, most of the funding required at the moment by the SIA management is for past losses, nothing for the future. Mm. So mm. Uh, the extent of funding needs is uh, quite large. But in all of that, it needs a... Um, a viable business plan and profitability. Uh, it was in that position, mm. but I listed the, the, the major mm. uh, changes which happened in my view. Mm. The management are taking some steps uh, you know, to try and resolve some of these things, uh, but the effect of the steps that they have taken uh, is uh, too little mm. uh, for the funding needs. You know, and all I right. Think the, Okay, that's really the issue. So let 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 need to exceed uh, the ability of. Uh Okay, let me take one break and then I'll be I'll be back with that. And I want us to, to look at some of those areas we wrap up the, the show. And I'll, I'll bring that to you, Guy, in terms of maybe you can give us a bit of a comparison with other African nations and what they're getting right currently and uh, maybe give us a context in, in that regard. It's uh, 11.35 Central African time. I'm going to take one last break. And when we come back, we'll have our final session in this conversation. Remembering Mama Albertina Sisulu. We will say whatever we are expected to say by the people. And we are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the people. We are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the liberation of the oppressed people of this country. Hashtag Mama Sisulu Centenary. Channel Africa.
This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovu and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, this is the platform where you get the African Perspective Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on our various radio platforms. We are on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa and on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. You can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. If you're just joining us, we're on the line having a very in-depth conversation around South Africa's carrier SAA whether it's profitable, whether we should let it go, actually what to do with it. Uh, joining us in this panel was Professor Yanni Rousseau, who's the head of the School of Economic and Business Sciences at uh, Wits University. Also, we've got uh, Guy Leitch, who is uh, the editor of SA Flyer Flightcom, and Joachim Fermuten, who's joining us uh, just before the break, gave us a very elaborate uh, um, description of why we're seeing so many backlogs uh, uh, when it comes to the financial situation in SAA. He's the independent aviation a consultant and a researcher at the University of Johannesburg. Guy, let me uh, bring this to you as we are about to wrap up the conversation. What is South Africa getting wrong that other countries are getting right, especially on the African continent? Yeah, I think it's an extremely important question and the, and the reality is that actually South Africa is not the exception. Uh, unfortunately, almost every state-owned airline in Africa is loss-making. Again, it gets back to this problem of whether um, the government has any business running airlines at all. Mm. The only real exception to loss-making state-owned airlines in Africa is Ethiopian, and that is not a, a useful example or a parallel with South African Airways. Ethiopia has two enormous benefits. The first is its own geographical location, which makes it an ideal hub between both the, the west and the east and the north and the south. Um, and it's in, got an enormous cargo handling capacity as well, for instance, um, and the, uh, which is, as we've known from the latest, latest sort of airline development models, is that the hub-and-spoke model requires effective hubs, and that's given Ethiopian a great advantage, which South Africa doesn't have as what I call an end-of-the-line carrier. And the second big advantage that we often don't appreciate is that um, Ethiopia has an incredibly protective policy over its airline. You'll notice that there are no real um, competitors to Ethiopia operating in and around Ethiopian airlines, and indeed the airline, the, the government doesn't really encourage other airlines to operate into Ethiopia. It limits them through what are called bilateral um, air service agreements. Uh, the joke is, in fact, that even if birds want to fly in Ethiopia, they've got to get approval from the government. <laughs> um, so SAA is not in that position at all. SAA is having to compete in the cold winds um, of non-protection. And we've seen airlines like um, uh, particularly Emirates, for instance, actually eating SAA's lunch in terms of flying passengers that SAA should have perhaps been flying between uh, Johannesburg and Cape Town. 
Um, so SIA is being continuously pushed back through a lack of government protection. Now, I'm not for one second calling for more government protection, um, but the reality is that uh, Ethiopian is not a good example. And uh, indeed, uh, the, I, I, lo- I liked uh, Professor Rousseau's comment that, about a vanity project. The only mm. justification that we're really seeing for the continual subsidization of SAA um, is, is, is a vanity project. Um, project. Um, only third world countries, in my opinion, require a, a, a so-called flag carrier. Most developing countries realize that airline industry is not what it used to be. People don't even know what aircraft or what airline they're flying in. They just walk out a tunnel and you get in. You don't see the flag on the tail. You don't <laughs> even know what airline, what, what airline you're flying to because of coach sure. hearing uh, and, and so on. Sure. So it really is an enormously overstated role um, for an airline in Africa, but African, Africa insists, African states seem to insist on feeling that they need the, the so-called vanity exercise of a flag carrier. The reality is that any uh, self-respecting developed country uh, privatizes its airlines, puts them over to the best people who can run them, and gets on with actually doing development mm-hmm. projects. I mean, the, uh, I calculated a year or two ago that SAA was costing uh, the taxpayers an order of 500 rand for every seat it sold. Wow. Now, that, and as Professor Rousseau pointed out, um, it is incredibly expensive in terms of the cost of every job that it creates. So it has to be the most expensive mm. job creation exercise in the world. This is all in very bad waste of resources. Uh, the government has said that it's, going to, it's committed to the current turnaround strategy, but I still think that the cost is too high. Uh, but at the same time, what are the options? The reality is, as a key subject of this discussion is, is, is it worthwhile trying to privatize SAA? And I think that the question we haven't dealt with was, well, okay, even if one did want to do that, who on earth would buy it? Yeah. The current Air Services Licensing Council restricts ownership, foreign ownership of South African Airlines to 25%. That wouldn't be easy to change. And um, the, the fact is there's no likely local investor, especially one prepared to take a, a minority stake in a massive loss-leading, um, and, uh, loss-making exercise. Um, and the fact of the matter is that uh, the, 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 the debt is just so big at this stage, the government cannot afford to put in the 30 or so billion rand that it would take to supposedly recapitalize the airline, which means pay off its debt. It's just not a, not a viable option at this stage. Mm. So government seems to be painted into a corner. It's, it's put its money on Mr. Gerana as being the exception, mm. who will be the one CEO who can turn the airline around. Mm. You know, he's doing apparently well so far, but the odds are still enormously stacked against him. Mm. Professor Rousseau, let me give you the final say. What do you have to um, give us a final sentiment in terms of uh, just uh, uh, your final thoughts as we outro into this conversation? On the one hand, Minister Mbuweni says we must get rid of SAA. On the other hand, President Ramaphosa says it will be too expensive. Give us the numbers, make taxpayers decide. Give us the numbers on what it will cost to keep SAA. Give us the numbers on closing it, and then it becomes a financial decision, and it ends being a vanity project.
Well, thank you, gents, for giving us your time. We really appreciate your contribution. Just a reminder, we will podcast this conversation online for you and also we'll have it on our website and our social media platforms. Remember, you can stream it on www.channelafrica.co.za. Thank you to Professor Yane Rousseau, Head of the School of Economic and Business Sciences at Wits University. Thanks as well to Guy Leach, who is the editor of SAFlyer.com. And thank you to Joachim Vermuten, who is an independent aviation consultant and researcher at the University of Johannesburg. Thank you for giving us your time. We really appreciate it big time.